Hey, Life Group Leaders. Welcome to the Life Group Leaders podcast. I'm Pastor Roy, and I'm your host for this podcast. And this week, we are in week two of our sermon series, which is an all-in series called Fierce Faith. And it's a study through the letter of James. I thought um, week one was a, a great sermon by Pastor Chris. This week, we won't be having services due to um, our service for service project. And um, so there won't be a, a formal service, but Pastor Chris has recorded a sermon um, and it will be available tomorrow on Sunday. And um, that will be for James chapter two. So here's a suggestion that I want to put out there. If you're um, if you want to cover the sermon reflection questions that are in this week's study guide, you might want to consider watching the sermon together as a group. Watch it together as a group and then do those questions. Or um, if there's time before your group meets, have everybody watch the sermon ahead of time before getting to the meeting. Um, another option would be that um, you can bypass those sermon reflection questions and just go straight to the other study questions and um, just make sure that you watch the sermon because I'm sure it's going to be a great message. So this week's study guide is on James chapter 2 and along with the um, study guide I have sent you two other resources. I sent two um, chapters from two different commentaries. The first commentary covers James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, and that's a commentary by Warren Wearsby. And then the second commentary covers the rest of chapter 2. evangelchurch.churchcenter.com forward slash groups and they'll be able to find the resources that, that I'm providing. But in case they don't have that, you might want to send the links to the study guide and to the two commentaries. The commentaries may be useful in, in answering some of the questions. Okay, so let's get into this week's study guide. And for this week, um, the first section of, of James chapter 2, which is verses 1 to 13, um, a lot of that focuses on the idea of favoritism and why we should not practice that. We shouldn't favor one person over another. Um, the second part of the study guide is based on the remaining verses in chapter 2, and that's really on the idea that faith without works is a dead faith. So... Um, Definitely something uh, that could cause a lot of a lot of good conversation, I think. So let's start with the first section. So in the first section, um, first thing you want to do is have someone in your group read through James chapter two, verses one to thirteen, or maybe a couple of people. And then the first question says that in verse one, James tells us that we need to practice our faith in Jesus without favoritism. So. The first question really reflects on um, 
the original audience. So why, the question is, why did James feel it necessary to deliver this teaching to his original audience? And it's not totally clear <coughs> in, the, in the letter. I mean, we don't get any details, but apparently James had become aware that there were some people in that original audience where they were favoring people who were rich, people who were affluent over people who were poor. So that was the reason that he felt that he needed to bring this teaching to his audience because there was some favoritism going on. So second question is more about today. Why is it important for us to hear this teaching as well? Um, that's really you know, going to generate different ideas maybe, but um, I think the bottom line is it's pretty much for the same reason that um, the original audience needed to hear it. Um, because maybe sometimes we favor one type of people over another. Um, I hope we don't see that actually in, in our church, but I think the church in general, I think that that kind of thing does still go on. So the, the next question is, what example of favoritism does James use? And I've pretty much talked about that. Um, you can see that in the um, actual text. And then what are some ways we see favoritism in the world and in the church today? So think about that. What, what are some ways that there might be favoritism practiced in the church today? And then in the world itself, I mean, I think, you know, in the world it's pretty obvious. I think, you know, we give a lot more um, a lot more praise, a lot more credit and things like that to uh, people who are affluent, people who are in positions of power, that kind of thing. And sometimes we neglect the people who are poor and maybe what we would consider insignificant. So um, that could be some of the ways. And then the last, um, then it says, according to verse 9, what are the consequences of favoritism? And that's actually in the text. So you'll find the answer to that in the text. And what does favoring some people over others say about our faith? And I think that, you know, when, when you think about that, when we're favoring somebody over another, um, we're kind of, if, if we truly believe in God, if we truly believe that he loves every person, and, and we see that in Scripture, I mean, J John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, not just some people, but the world. Um, so... How can we truly say we believe in God if we favor one person over another? The next section of questions um, tells you to read Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 49. And it, when, you, when you look at the book of James, it often reflects Jesus' sermons, especially the Sermon on the Mount, um, which we see in, in Luke chapter 6. And in, so the question here is, in light of Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 21, what is the context and overall message of James 2, 5 to 6? So here we're comparing two different uh, verses. We're comparing some verses in Luke to some verses in the book of James. So take a look at the book of James, and, and in those two, uh, two verses, James chapter 2, verses 5 to 6, we see that James says, Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith 
aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? So take a look at those, those verses and compare those to that passage in Luke. What is what is Jesus teaching in those passage in these uh, those verses rather in Luke? So what's the context and the overall message? What is James two five to six telling us? He's telling us that um, God is is lifting up the poor. So we should be doing the same thing thing that God does. We should not be elevating the rich above the poor because that's not God's way. Verses 5 to 7 make it clear that it really makes no sense to dishonor the poor while we favor the rich. So why is this so? Why does it not make sense for us to dishonor the poor while favoring the rich? So something to think about, and, and, you'll, and you'll see in James uh, chapter 2, you'll see some of the answer to that. But think about that. Talk about that as a group. How do we sometimes honor the rich over the poor? And how does what verse 7 says apply today? So think about some of the ways that we might honor the rich above the poor. Um, and that could be, you know, in the world. It could be in the church. But then when you look at, at verse 7, it says, Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? And I think, you know, when you think about... Um, the rich, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense for us to elevate some of the people who are rich. And, and this isn't all people who are rich, but think about some of the uh, celebrities and all who go totally against the word of God. So are they they're kind of slandering God? You know, they, it says, aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ? Well, aren't they doing that through the their behavior and through the the way that that they that they uh, just kind of flaunt things that are immoral and and that type of thing. So, um, just some thoughts on that. Next set of questions says to review James chapter two verses eight to eleven, and it says that in verse eight of chapter two, James mentions the royal law as found in the scriptures. So the questions are, what is the royal law, and why do you think it is called royal? And how does favoritism break that law? So the royal law, if you, if you really think about that, I'll, I'm going to read something from the commentary by Warren Wearsby. He talks about the royal law. And what he says is he's talking, he is talking about who is my neighbor and, and you know, talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then he says, why is love thy neighbor called the royal law? And he says, for one thing, it was given by the king. God the Father gave it in the law, and God the Son reaffirmed it to his disciples. God the Spirit fills our hearts with God's love and expects us to <coughs> excuse me, share it with others. So it's called royal law because it comes from God. And more specifically, when you think about it, the, the people that James was writing to um, these were new believers in Jesus Christ. They believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah, just as we do now. But that means 
he was the if he was the Messiah, he was the king. And he told us in his word, I mean we, we see that in God's word. Um, we see that Jesus, when asked what are the two greatest commandments, he said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So loving our neighbor, loving God, that's the royal law. So how does favoritism break that law? If we're favoring one person over another, are we truly showing the love that Jesus commanded us to show? So um, that's some thoughts on that. Finally, in, in this section, we have James, it says, read James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. So we're going back into chapter 1 for this question. Um, and it says, uh, let, let's take a look at James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. And what those verses say is this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the world and the word rather and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So living by the question starts off living by the law that sets us free means acting on our faith. So how did these verses from chapter 1 speak to that? And what do they tell us will be the result of living by that law? So we can see that it says we need to not just listen to the law, not just hear the word, rather, but we have to do what it says. And that means walking in obedience to what is in the word. So if the word says we need to love God and we need to love our neighbors, then that's what we need to be doing. Um, and then when in the second part of that question is what do they tell us will be the result of living by that law? Well, if you look in, in verse 25, it says that God will bless us for doing it. So because we're obeying the word, because we're, we're obeying what we read in the word or what we hear in the word, we will be blessed. And, and also they, he points to the fact that we're looking at the perfect law that sets us free. So there's freedom for us in that law. So when we obey that law, we've got freedom. We've got blessing. Okay, so um, how does favoritism break that law? I think I spoke to that already. I mean, if we're not loving our neighbor, are we breaking that law? And if we're, um, if we're favoring one person over another, are we truly showing love to, to the person we're not favoring, the person we're dishonoring? Next set of questions says, um, actually, th this is the um, last uh, part of this set of questions. It says, look at verse 13 of James 2, and what's the consequence of not living by that law, by that royal law? So you can see that it says that um, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he ju judges you. So if we don't live by the law, we're breaking God's law and God will not show mercy to us because we're not showing mercy to others if we're favoring somebody over another. We're really not showing that mercy. So um, that would be one of the consequences. So talk about that. There may be other thoughts that you may have there as well. 
Okay, so the second section is faith without good deeds is dead. And this is James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. So have someone in the group read those verses. And then the first set of questions starts out saying, verses 14 to 17 of chapter 2 are about the resulting actions of placing our faith in and following Jesus. So what are the resulting actions of that faith? So you go to James 2, chapter, uh, James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, and it says, What good is it if we say we have faith and we don't show it by our actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? It says in verse 15, Suppose you see a brother or a sister who doesn't have any food, doesn't have any clothing, and you say, you know, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, and give them nice thoughts, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do for that person? And then verse 17 says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So the question, what are the resulting actions of that faith? The resulting actions are that we need to act out that faith. So we need to show by our deeds what our faith is, and because our deeds are going to speak more to our faith than just words. We can tell somebody what we believe, but our actions are going to speak much louder than our words. Um, I think it was St. Francis of Assisi who said, um, don't, um, I forget the, the quote, but it was something about, um, yes, preach, preach the gospel, go and preach the gospel if necessary, use words. So that really kind of speaks to this particular part of James that, you know, the words are not the important part. It's it's the actions. It's it's what we show to people, the love that we show to people in our actions. That shows our faith. That's the proof that we have this saving faith. Why is a faith without works a dead faith? I think you know, in the way I look at it, you know, if if I'm saying that I believe something, but I don't back it up with actions then it's just words and it's just there's nothing alive about it because putting our faith into action that's living that 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 shows a live faith the next question is uh, what are some ways by which we can put our faith into action and just talk about that as a group what are some of the things that we can do and we, this weekend we're doing that through service service for service we're going out into the community and we're showing our faith in action. So um, that would be one obvious answer right there. But talk about some of the things that we can do. What are some ways that we can put our faith into action? Next set of questions says to read James 2.17 and then read Romans 3.24 and compare what James says to what Paul tells us in Romans 3.22. And, and everyone knows, in, in I think, in Romans 3.22, um, Paul is basically saying that um, we're saved by faith, not by works, so that none of us can boast. And James is saying that faith without works is a dead faith. So do these statements contradict each other? <clears throat> 
<clears throat> so ask that question. Do they or, or don't they? Yes or no question. But then you want to know, you want to back that, that answer up with why or why not. So, you know, if you think that, that they do contradict each other, why do you think that? <clears throat> Personally, um, I don't think that they contradict each other. I think that, that basically Paul is saying, yes, it's our, our faith that saves us. It's not our works. James is saying the same thing, but what he's doing is taking it a step further and saying, but faith without works is a dead faith. He's saying that, that it's the works that show that we have faith, and it's our faith that will generate those works. The works come as a byproduct of the faith. So really, James and Paul are not contradicting each other. At least that's, that's my thought. Some may, may disagree. Um, don't let it get into uh, a big theological you know, debate, but have some good conversation on that. Next set of questions says, review James 2, verses 21 to 26. Um, here James talks about Abraham, and he talks about Rahab, and he uses them as examples of how the actions that result from faith make us right with God. So why do you think that that's true? Why do you think that they are examples um, that of how the actions that result from faith make us right from God, right with God, I should say. So talk about that as a group. And what are these examples telling us about faith? What what examples? So what what are they speaking to you about faith? And discuss that as a group. And then finally, um, what examples of this kind of faith do you have in your own life or in the life of someone you know? So this is a good way to kind of reflect on our own lives and on on you know, the lives of people that we see around us that have been good, great examples of, of this live faith, this faith that is uh, alive and well because of the works that are coming from that faith. And then finally, in the study guide, the last said, uh, question is uh, to reflect on the entire chapter of James 2. Just think about what this chapter speaks to and what are your biggest takeaways from this chapter? So everybody's going to have maybe a different answer. Some may have the same, but um, it's just a chance for everybody to share what really stood out to them in the verses that we're reading this week. So um, that's the end of the study guide. I think that um, the the uh, commentaries that I provided will probably be a big help and they'll give you some, some food for thought. Um, I think that you know, these verses in James can generate a lot of great conversation. Um, just be careful, as I said before, not to let it get into a debate, but, but have some healthy discussion. So I hope you have a great time in your group this week. Um, I hope you have a great time with Service for Service in whatever way you're serving. Uh, my group today served on uh, Feed My Starving Children. We had a great time, went out to lunch together afterward. Um, first time we've been together in person in a long time, so that was a special time for us. Um, um, some of the people in our group are going back tomorrow to work on individual projects, but whatever you're doing um, to go out there and show your faith in action, um, I hope that you're blessed by it. I hope that the people who you serve are blessed, and I pray that um, you will you will 
really be an example of what it means to have faith. So that's it for this week. Have a great time in your groups. Let's pray, and, and that'll be the end of this podcast. Father God, I thank you for these leaders and for these groups, Lord, and I pray, especially in this weekend with Service for Service, as they go out and serve the community, I pray your blessings on them, Lord. I pray that you bless their time in groups this week. Let the conversations be good and, and um, fruitful and, and meaningful, and I pray that you'll bless each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.